Hey, I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to this special teaching called The Joy of Giving. Today, we are in part three of this series. Now, if you missed some of it, I want to encourage you to go back and watch or listen. In part one, we talked about understanding God's economy. Right now, everyone's watching the U.S. economy. No one really knows what it's going to do. We're beginning to wake the economy up state by state, county by county, and no one really knows what's going to happen. Well, I want to take advantage of everyone thinking about the economy, and I want to ask Christians the question, are we in God's economy? Because when we're in God's economy, God's going to take care of us. It doesn't matter if the U.S. economy is booming or if it's shut down. God's going to take care of his people. So in part one, we talked about understanding God's economy. The main premise was attacking the fear of giving. We saw that when we trust God, when we know that not one promise of God's word is going to fail, that removes the fear of giving. And so having all sufficiency in all things at all times, as scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, he will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, 2 Corinthians 9. When we understand God's promises, then we're not going to be afraid to give to God's work. Now, in week two, we talked about, or I'm sorry, part two, we talked about getting involved in God's economy. Once the fear is removed and you've made the decision, I am going to engage in God's kingdom, in God's work. It's going to become a priority to me. Well, then where do you start? How do you get involved in God's economy? We talked about the difference between tithing and grace giving. We talked about the New Testament standard as well as the Old Testament standard and where we fall in that. So if you missed that teaching, make sure you go back, check out that talk, and find out for yourself how to get involved in God's economy. Now today, we're going to take the next step. And the next step, once a believer understands God's economy, the principle of sowing and reaping, and then once a Christian decides to get involved in God's economy, let each person decide in his heart what he's going to give. For God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9-7. Once someone makes those decisions, well, now what's the next step? It's spiritual investing. I want to talk today about eternity. And I want to ask the question, what are you and I really living for. You know, the Bible has a great deal to say about investing. The Bible encourages investing. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, um, diversify. It says, uh, spread your, uh, your investments or take your portions is actually what it says. Divide your portions between seven and eight, for you don't know the calamity that may come upon the earth. That's diversification. That's having investments in multiple things. So if, so if one thing sinks, it doesn't sink the entire ship. I try to be diversified in many areas of my life. I take this scripture so to heart to divide my portions between seven 
and eight. Why? Because you don't know the calamity. You don't know if a pandemic's going to come. It may be as severe as a global shutdown pandemic, or it could be a job loss or an illness, whatever. You, should, you don't know the calamity that may come on the earth, so be diversified. The Bible says also in Ecclesiastes, Cast your bread upon the water, and in many days it will return. You know, that's a scripture about investing. I never understood what the Bible meant by that. I thought if you throw bread in the water, it's just soggy, right? Geese are going to get it. (laughs) Ducks are going to get it. What's it mean, cast your bread? Solomon, what he was saying, Solomon was shipping out wheat. He was shipping out grain. Cast your bread upon the water. He made, he shipped out, he exported these investments And he got a ROI. He got a return on his investment. In many days, it will come back to you. Friends, that's a scripture on investing. Even Jesus in the parable of the talents, when he gave one man ten talents, which basically was a bar of gold, when he gave one man ten, one man five, and one man only one, you remember the first two invested, and they got a return, an ROI. But what did the man do with the one? He buried it in the ground. And Jesus said, at minimum, you could have put it in the bank and earned interest. Over and over. Over the Bible teaches investing. But it teaches one particular investing that for our purpose, we're going to call it an E-R-O-I, an eternal return on investment. This is for those Christians who want to take the words of Jesus serious in Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where it's dangerous, he's saying, where moths can get it, rust can get it, thieves can break in and steal it. In other words, don't have your greatest treasure where it's going to do no good, where it's unsecured. But he said in verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Now notice that. Lay up for yourselves treasure In heaven, Jesus wants us to think this way. I want to give you an example that I came across in Randy Alcorn's tremendous book, The Treasure Principle. If you haven't read that, jump on Amazon and order it immediately. Or go to your local bookstore and get it. The Treasure Principle. And listen to what Randy gives as such a great example. If you lived during the Civil War... And let's say your citizenship was in the north, but you just happened to live in the south. And the war was coming to an end. And you saw the handwriting on the wall. You knew that the war was just about over. Well, let's say that while living in the south, you had accumulated vast sums of Confederate money. What are you going to do with that money? You know the war is coming to an end. What are you going to do with all that Confederate cash? Well, if you're smart, you'll cash it in for U.S. dollars. Now, you'll keep enough Confederate money to live in the South. You may have to go a little while and you want to be comfortable and you want to provide for your family. But what good is it going to do to have vast sums of money in Confederate dollars? It's going to be worthless, useless Well, when you and I understand our true citizenship 
is in heaven. Why would we hold on to vast sums of money here on the earth? Would we not cash some of that in for eternal rewards? Because the fact is, no matter how wise you and I invest, no matter how smart we are in our investments, everything in this earth, the Bible teaches, is going to burn up. And the Bible says that when you and I stand before God one day, all the works of our life is going to be tried by fire. That's what the Bible teaches in Corinthians. And either it's going to burn like hay, wood, and stubble, or what is fire due to gold, silver, precious stones? It refines them. It makes them pure. It makes them better. It makes them more valuable. There are investments that you and I can make that are eternal. And like Randy Alcorn says, you cannot take anything to heaven with you. You know, Scripture says in the book of Job, naked we came into this world. When we're born out of our mother's womb, we're naked. Naked we come into the world. And Scripture says, likewise, we'll take nothing out of this world. So while you can't take any of your investments with you, you can never take anything with you. You can send it on ahead. You can cash it out and exchange it for eternal reward. So some of you listening, God has given you plenty. Have you ever asked yourself, why has God given me so much? Could it be that you and I have a tremendous responsibility to say we're going to take our U.S. currency, our gold, our silver, our precious resources, we're going to take our currency, our investments, our hard-earned money, and we're going to cash it in on kingdom things. In the city that I live there's a cemetery called Oak Hill. And some of the wealthiest people who built our city, Kingsport, are buried in that cemetery. They have large uh, monuments to their memory. Many of them are buried together in their families. And it was wealth, wealth. I don't know the spiritual condition of those people lived 100 years plus before I was born. I don't know their spiritual condition. But I know what scripture says. Psalms chapter 49. Your wealth will stay in the grave with you. And what will you have? Your wealth will... You can't take it with you. You can't. Before I went blind, before I lost eyesight, I watched quite an intriguing interview with Colonel Sanders. You know who Colonel Sanders is? The KFC guy? <laughs> Colonel Sanders was, uh, he was quite an interesting character. And did you know that Colonel Sanders became born again late in life? There's a wonderful interview done with him that you could look it up on YouTube or Google it. 
And Colonel Sanders, when God saved him, became quite a giver. Quite a giver. And I was watching an interview with the colonel. Now remember, he's much later in life. And right before he died, a man asked him, said, Why do you give away such vast sums of money? And I'll never forget what Colonel Sanders said. In that Kentucky, uh, you know, just that Kentucky Southern uh, style that he had. He said, well, I figure there's no sense in being the richest man in the cemetery. What good is it to be the richest person in a graveyard? It is no good. All those wealthy people buried at Oak Hill, I don't know where they are. I don't know their eternal state. I don't know them. But I know this, they took nothing with them. And neither will you. In 2006, I had the opportunity to take 21 people from my church with me to Cairo, Egypt. Before I lost eyesight, I went to Cairo a great deal and preached the gospel throughout all of the Middle East. But my base, my hub, was Cairo. And I love the city of Cairo. I'll never forget taking our group of 21 to the Cairo Museum and seeing the, the artifacts and all of the uh, wealth that King Tut was buried with. You remember King Tut was killed at age 17. And oh, the gold that young man was buried with. His tomb was inside tombs within coffins, within coffins, within coffins all layered with gold. And it was stunning to see all of the gold artifacts, the wealth that that young Pharaoh had. And see, the Egyptians believed you could take it all with you. You know, when Howard Carter discovered that tomb, I believe it was in the 1920s. All that wealth was still there, untouched after thousands of years. And I saw it with my own eyes. But then after we left King Tut's exhibit, we took a short drive to an obscure graveyard in Cairo made for American missionaries. One missionary, their tombstone read, for 40 years... He carried the cross through the valley of the Nile. What a legacy. One tombstone said, Faith, hope, and love was hers, but the greatest of hers was love. What a testimony. And inside that obscure graveyard is the tomb of a young man named William Borden. William Borden grew up in Chicago and his parents were very, very wealthy. His father operated steel manufacturing in Pittsburgh and his father wanted him to go into the family business and he was irate when William chose to be a missionary. William Borden did not even own a car, which was just becoming very popular, but gave thousands to missions. William Borden went to Egypt to learn how to reach Muslims. And he contracted spinal meningitis. And at the age of only 25, William Borden died in Cairo, Egypt. He left 
He has a vast estate solely to missions. When you look at William Borden's grave, and I'm sure you could Google a picture of it, it shares his love for Jesus. It has some Arabic written on it, English written on it. But at the bottom, you know what it says? For such apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. (laughs) Think about that. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Friends, I can't tell you what it was to go to King Tut's exhibit and see all of his wealth still here today, but to go to an obscure missionary's grave and to know all the wealth that was William Borden's. He cashed it in. (laughs) He cashed it in. And right now, at this very moment, William Borden is enjoying an eternal return on all of his investments. Will you? Is everything that you're tied to, is it all down here? The last example I'll give you. John Wesley once rode with, uh, he once rode on a plantation of a very wealthy man and the man wanted to show him all that he owned. For hours they rode and the man, proud as a peacock, showed off all that he owned. When they sat down to dinner that night, the man asked Wesley, So what do you think? (laughs) And John Wesley said, I think you'll have a hard time leaving all this behind. What about you? Will you have a hard time leaving all of your investments behind? Because you will leave them. And then whose will they be? You can hold on with a tight fist all that you own where you can give things to God and say, God, what would you have me do with my wealth? What would you have me do with my investments? What would you have me do with the resources you've entrusted to me? Friends, you'll never take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. The choice is really yours. I want to encourage you, have an eternal perspective. Have an eternal view of everything God has given you. Will you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you. Uh, First of all, Lord, I thank you for your word. Because your word teaches us how to invest. Proverbs 21.5 Steady plotting, diligent plans, lead to abundance. Hasty decisions lead to poverty. You teach us how to invest. Cast your bread upon the water. In many days it will return. Divide your portions between seven and eight, for you do not know the calamity that may come upon the earth. You teach us how. But Lord, you also teach us how to invest in eternity. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where it's safe and where it's secure, where it will last for eternity. I thank you for men like William Borden. I thank you for men like Milton Scott. I thank you for men who invested in your kingdom. And now that they're gone, now Colonel Sanders, (laughs) 
Now that they're gone, their investments follow them. They remain. May we be that wise, Lord Jesus, we who are alive and living. May we be so wise to send our investments on ahead. Lord, I thank you for the little book, The Treasure Principle, that has taught me so much about giving me the right perspective, the eternal perspective of giving and investing. So Lord, may you watch after all of my interest. May you bless my interest. All the investments that I have, all the diversity that I have, may you outstretch your hand and may you bless it. But God, may my greatest investments, my heftiest investments, may my... Even, even the, the, the numerical number, even the financial number, may the greatest of all of my investing, may it truly be in the kingdom where it is the safest and where it will benefit me and give me the greatest joy throughout all of eternity. Teach us, your people, how to give, how to invest, and how, as the Bible says in Timothy, how to take hold of that which is truly life. Help us, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen.